Europe is open to competition, but not for a race to the bottom. Welcome to today's Jolt. It's the 13th of November. I'm Sam Morgan, your host. Later in the episode, we'll be looking at how US electric car frontrunner Tesla might fall foul of a European probe into Chinese subsidies. First, let's take a look at what's been happening in the world of energy and climate. China might peak its CO2 emissions this year and start chipping away at them as of 2024 if current clean energy installations continue at the same rate, a fascinating new study has revealed. Clean energy capacity added in 2023 would be enough to power all of France. However, coal power expansion is also still growing, potentially fueled by the government's new plan for capacity mechanisms which was unveiled last week. Both issues mean that there will soon be a reckoning in Beijing about which camp, clean or dirty, should win out. It's a massive development, especially ahead of COP28 later this month. The United Kingdom will reportedly launch its own carbon border tax in 2026, closely mirroring a European Union green levy on imported goods. The anti-climate dumping instrument has been in the works for over a year and is set to be announced during the government's economic outlook at the end of November. If deployed on time, it could shield the UK from green tariffs imposed by the EU's border tax, the CBAM, but there is also the question of carbon pricing. Carbon permits sold under the UK emissions trading system are cheaper than the EU's, so imported goods could still fall foul of CBAM. CBAM's wrath. Analysts suggest though that if the government does indeed announce its own tax, it will restore some confidence in the market, so watch this space. A proposed wind farm off the coast of the Isle of Man, a self-governing island between Britain and Ireland, could completely meet its peak electricity demand. Plans are underway to put up 100 wind turbines by 2030, generating between 80 and 100 megawatts. Isle of Man peak electricity demand is around 75 megawatts, with an average of 40 megawatts throughout the rest of the year. Danish firm Orsted could lodge planning permission in 2025, but the project does seem to hinge on whether the island's government approves an application to drill a new gas well near the wind farm's proposed site. In the Netherlands, 85,000 people marched through Amsterdam in what has been called the biggest climate protest ever staged in the country. Swedish activist Greta Thunberg and former EU climate boss Frans Timmermans, who is hoping to be elected prime minister in a general election at the end of the month, participated in the march. Voters will decide on the 22nd of November who they want to govern. Timmermans' coalition of socialist and green parties is currently polling third behind conservative parties that have prioritised migration issues in their manifestos. The European Union's flagship research project, Horizon Europe, will have a budget of 12.9 billion euros in 2024, an 85 million euro increase on this year's. Horizon is an important source of funding for research in the energy sector, and it is hoped that this fresh injection of cash will be a boon to clean power advancements. 
Australia set another green energy record this weekend as wind and solar helped push clean electricity share up to 72.9% on the country's main grid. Rooftop solar was the main driver, accounting for 44% of generation. The influx of green electrons pushed coal power down to a new low as well. In the southern state of Victoria, renewables hit 95% for a five-minute peak briefly meeting the region's 2035 clean power target. Battery discharge also hit a record high, clearly illustrating how Australia's energy system of the future is already starting to work smoothly. Peru's government is aiming to boost the economy by refocusing efforts on mining and energy policies, according to an update released over the weekend. Improved environmental and health standards will be rolled out in order to try and attract more than a billion dollars in investment. After Chile, Peru is the world's second largest copper producer, a material that is absolutely critical to the energy transition because of its applications in the power sector. Oil and gas major Exxon will reportedly move into the lithium mining business as early as 2026 and will publish its new lithium strategy later today. The fossil fuel giant will develop a mine in the US state of Arkansas and initial planned outputs will be enough to manufacture the equivalent of 100,000 electric car batteries. Exxon was actually one of the first companies to produce lithium-ion batteries back in the 1970s but quickly ditched the idea in favour of hydrocarbon exploration. A Ukrainian military officer coordinated the sabotage of the Nord Stream gas pipelines, according to an investigation led by the Washington Post. Roman Chervinsky, a special forces colonel, was in charge of Operation Logistics, which included chartering a sailboat using false identities and renting deep-sea diving equipment to place explosives on the pipes. The Washington Post says intelligence officials have confirmed that Chervinsky coordinated the mission but did not plan it. It's the latest intriguing twist in a story that just keeps developing. Check the show notes for a link to a recent Joel episode that looks into how international energy infrastructure is at risk from geopolitics. And in news that sounds like it's straight from a sci-fi movie, Singaporean researchers have developed and tested new technology that can harvest energy from falling drops of rain. Where did they get the raw materials to build the devices? Discarded DVDs and CDs. The researchers say in a new study that there are several applications for the inexpensive tech. It could be used to build smart windows that turn opaque when it starts raining or when the sun is too bright, or even linked to a battery so users can control demand and supply. The study also suggests it could be mounted on personal items like raincoats and umbrellas. Great news for all of us that have hoarded hundreds of box sets over the years, which we will never watch again. That's all for your news updates for today. Now let's move on to a closer look at the story of the moment. Europe wants to be a big player in the shift towards electro-mobility. Famous car brands like Volkswagen, Volvo, Renault have all announced that they will ditch the internal combustion engine within the next 10 years, while new e-rules that will effectively ban new ICEs in 2035 mean that the writing really is on the wall for petrol and diesel. Batteries keep getting better, governments are building more charging infrastructure, and pointless culture wars over electric vehicles are slowly but surely running out of talking points. The next challenge is what to do about the competition, in particular, China. 
China embraced the e-mobility shift quicker than Europe, and a number of homegrown firms have sprung up, specialising purely in building electric cars. Quicker and more agile than legacy marks that have had to think about repurposing manufacturing infrastructure and retraining workforces, these new e-brands have also reportedly benefited immensely from massive state subsidies. Earlier this year, the Chinese government unveiled $72 billion in tax perks and subsidies to help grow production and lure foreign companies to its shores. The European Union is not happy about that, and claims that those subsidies are not legal and breach World Trade Organization principles. Brussels will also have taken note that China overtook Japan earlier this year as the globe's number one exporter of cars, shipping more than 3 million in the first nine months of the year. All of that is why the EU has launched an inquest into China's EV exports to determine the scale of the problem and what kind of potential sanctions need to be developed to help level the playing field. This is how the head of the European Commission, the institution carrying out the probe, announced the move a couple of months ago. Take the electric vehicle sector. It is a crucial industry for the clean economy with a huge potential in Europe. But global markets are now flooded with cheaper Chinese electric cars. And their price is kept artificially low by huge state subsidies. This is distorting our market. And as we do not accept this distortion from the inside in our market, we do not accept this from the outside. So I can announce today that the Commission is launching an anti-subsidy investigation into electric vehicles coming from China. <laughs> Europe is open to competition, but not for a race to the bottom. We must defend ourselves against unfair practices. But equally, it is vital to keep open lines of communication and dialogue with China, because there are also topics where we can and have to cooperate De-risk, not decouple. That was Commission President Ursula von der Leyen outlining the plan. Uh, the decision is very much geared towards keeping European industry on side and preventing more big players from going overseas. It also has wider implications for the EU's Green Deal, which very much relies on industry buy-in to stand a chance of actually achieving its main goals. Here's the EU's trade chief, Valdis Dombrovskis, with a bit more on the rationale behind the inquest. Uh, and it must be said that the Commission is launching uh, this uh, investigation uh, uh, ex officio, meaning on its own uh, uh, initiative. So we're not waiting for a complaint or from uh, industry, but are acting based on the uh, data and information which we are having. And uh, that possibility of ex officio investigations uh, exists also in other TDI instruments and can be used uh, uh, more uh, uh, frequently. Uh, uh, sometimes, uh, indeed, it also may be useful in uh, cases, as you described, that uh, if, uh, uh, Europe, if there's no 25% of European industry which is uh, filing as a, a specific uh, complaint, because indeed it's uh, true it's a problem for SMEs, it's a problem for uh, uh, smaller member states, if it's a regional problem, if it's not uh, a problem across the whole uh, EU. Uh, so uh, we uh, uh, must look indeed how to make those uh, possibilities uh, more effective to be able to launch those uh, investigations. Last week, the Commission announced which three car makers would be included in the initial probe. BYD, Syke and Geely 
which owns Volvo cars, will be assessed and punitive measures could be imposed on them if the level of subsidies is found to be unacceptable for Brussels. You'll notice that US car maker Tesla is not part of that sample, despite being the biggest exporter of EVs from China into Europe. You'd initially think that Elon Musk would be delighted to escape scrutiny by EU heads, considering his other venture, Twitter, now called X for some reason, is under the microscope of the bloc's data officials. But no, Tesla is reportedly furious at being excluded because it probably makes it more likely that it will be hit with duties of some nature. That is because the probe will use the sample data to create an average for the entire export market. Given that the three companies chosen are more than likely benefiting from subsidies, that means Tesla stands a good chance of paying through the nose for benefits it hasn't actually received. Automotive analysts now wonder whether this is the commission's way of effectively saying, well, you should have built your factory in Europe, not China. Here's Commission spokesperson Olaf Gill with a bit more detail on what kind of timeline we are looking at. From the date of initiation, i.e. today, the maximum amount of time the investigation can take is 13 months. However, provisional anti-subsidy duties may be imposed nine months after initiation, i.e. nine months after today, uh, followed by four months to then impose these um, definitively. As regards process, it uh, strictly follows uh, our own, but most importantly, uh, World Trade Organization rules. We're at the start of a, a fact-based investigation, as part of which we will consult extensively, including with Chinese authorities and industry. China is a massive deal for Tesla. Its biggest factory by volume is in Shanghai, 20% of its cars are sold in China, and half the cars built there are exported to other markets. It's not alone in being a non-Chinese company making its fortune there. The likes of VW and BMW are building or plan to build EVs in China. So whether EU duties will apply to them as well will be interesting to see. Whether Brussels moves on to other sectors, like wind turbine manufacturing, once it is done with Chinese EVs, will also be an important energy transition story to follow. Many thanks for joining me today. I'll be back on Wednesday with another episode of The Jolt. Before I sign off, just a brief roundup on what else we've got for you at Foresight Climate and Energy. Zimbabwe wants to get into the carbon credits game, but there are big problems standing in its way. Check out our latest deep dive on this issue. We've also got an interesting op-ed on how to bring down the costs of hydrogen, so check that out as well. The Jolt is free to air, so please do show us some love and share the episodes if you enjoyed listening. You can also sign up to our informative newsletters. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks to everyone at Foresight for helping make The Jolt possible, and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of The Jolt. Thank you.